Good morning. Welcome to CBC. Uh, my name is Joe Valencia. I'm one of the youth pastors here. I work with our 6th through 12th graders. And uh, if you are a high schooler in the room and you don't know me or you haven't ever come to our high school program, just want to uh, invite you to our fall retreat that's coming up here in a few weeks down in Hocking Hills. Uh, you can learn about it more in your program or you can just catch me out in the foyer and ask me. I'd love to meet you and tell you a little bit more about our high school program. Well, we are in a series <clears throat> called Love Jesus. And it is about loving Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how you can love Jesus, all right? Um, and love, love is an interesting word, right? Uh, it's, it, it can be hard to define. It can be hard to figure out. And love actually, love is a noun. Love is a thing, right? It's a, something in us. Um, but love is also action. Love is a verb. If you're an old oldie Christian like me, remember the band DC Talk? And they had a song called Love is a Verb, right? And, uh, and this morning, we're going to talk about love as a verb. And so I want you to get that in your, in your mind. Love, love as a verb, love that works itself out. And so um, here, here's kind of what I mean, right? Like if I tell my wife, I love you, well, then like th- things will follow, right? Like love noun a, a, a feeling or affection inside of us is never separated from love verb, action, right? Like if I tell my wife, I love you, and never d- do anything, then, well, I probably don't love her, right? Like there are things that we do, like I love my wife, so I get her flowers. Ladies, you might love your husband, so you cook his favorite meal. We love our children, so you know we get him something for Christmas. We love our mom and dad, so we go outside and we clean the gutters. We love our friend, and so we bring him their favorite Starbucks drink. Whatever it happens to be, love in our hearts works itself out in action. They're always connected. In, a, in addition to that, the person that we are loving gets the privilege of dictating how they feel loved. Here's an example. My, like, my wife is in here this morning, and when, she said, when I said, get your wife flowers, she probably choked a little bit, because that's not how things work in our house. She would much rather I clean the floor than bring her home flowers. She would much rather I do the dishes. Hallelujah, ladies, right? Yeah. <laughs> she gets to dictate how I love her. If I just bring home flowers and say, oh, there you go, feel loved. <laughs> Wrong answer, right? And so in the same way, Jesus gets to dictate to us how to love him. We don't, we don't get to choose the way that we love him. He, he gets to do that. Love is other-centered, right? If my wife, like one time, my wife, I love her. Like I, I love Christmas and getting gifts and all that stuff. And she's very practical. So one birthday, she asked for a shower door. I was like, for real? But that's what she wants, right? It's not exciting for me to buy a shower door, right? She doesn't open the shower door by, oh, look at shower door, right? He didn't go to Jared. He went to Home Depot, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> but if I bring home a necklace... Instead of the shower door, she's not going to be happy. So because my love is other-centered, I, I, I get what she wants. I love her the way that she desires to be loved. And Jesus gives us some ideas about how we are to love him, how the affection and devotion in our heart ought to work itself out in love action. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray and we'll dig in. 
Father, we thank you for this morning and uh, for your word. Uh, Would it be sweet and wonderful to us? I pray, Lord, that you would help me, um, that I would preach your word with integrity, that you would guard my tongue and my mind from error as I speak, that um, you would open hearts and minds to see truth here, and that we would be all drawn and urged on to love you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we're going to attempt to answer four questions, so if you're taking notes, uh, or if you're just trying to, you know, know what we're doing, we're going we're gonna to answer four questions, okay? Here's the four questions. I'll give you kind of the roadmap. We're going to we're going to ask the question, how do we love Jesus? I'm trying to answer that. I'll give you a little sneak peek. The answer to that question is going to be, we obey him. We'll dig into that more. Question number two is, why is obedience the way that we love Jesus? Three, we're going to look at his commandments. Our text this morning will say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so what are they? What are the things that we keep? And then four, how do we do this? How do we obey his commandments or keep his commandments? Okay, so those are the questions that we're going to try and answer. So if you would turn to John 14 with me in your phone or in your Bible, we're going to... So did I say John 14? John 14, starting in verse 15. And to set the stage for you, Jesus is in the upper room at what we know as the Last Supper, and this is just a few hours before he is going to be betrayed and taken off to be crucified. And he's sitting with his disciples, these men who he has spent his life with, and this is what he says, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you." Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but my Father's who sent me. So question one, how do we love Jesus? How do we love Jesus? How do we put that into action? Love as a verb. He tells us four times in this text. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? He says it in 15. He says it in 21. He says it in 23, and then just to be clear, in 24, he uses the reverse, the negative, whoever does not love me does not keep my commandments, does not keep my words. And this section of scripture right here is the only time that Jesus says those words. If you love me, then 
blank. It's the only time, it's the only instruction that says, if you love me, here's what you will do. And he repeats the command four times. John, who wrote this gospel, actually wrote some epistles, some letters that we see later in the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And he apparently liked this statement so much that he uses it. In 1st John 5, it says, this is love that we keep his commandments. In 2 John 6, it says, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. So it's clear, how do we love Jesus? The answer is we keep his commandments. We obey his commandments. I've heard no amens yet. You guys aren't excited about keeping the commandments? Some of yeah. You can't do it now. It might make you feel uneasy though, right? If you've, if, if, if you've ever heard me preach or any of our other pastors preach, you've probably heard me say something to the effect of, there is nothing that you can do to earn God's love, right? I say it over and over and over again. There's nothing, you can't go to church enough, you can't give enough money, you can't volunteer enough, you can't be nice enough. None of that stuff will earn your way to heaven. You can't do it. You've heard me say that over and over and over again, and that is true. So why are we talking about commandments? Here's why, okay? If you've never heard the good news, the gospel, here it is, okay? You and I are sinful people. We're bad people. If you were here, I don't know, a month or two ago, my sermon was to convince everyone that they were bad. It was, a, it was an uplifting day, <laughs> Right? But that's true, like we all are. We're sinful people. We mess up every day. But because of God's great love for us, because he looks down and he sees these messed up people whom he loves, he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, who is God, came to earth and decided to be fully man as well. He put on human flesh. And he lived a life that was perfect. He never messed up. He never sinned. And then he allowed the Romans to take him and crucify him on a cross. And when he did that, he provided the greatest exchange that the world has ever seen. Because Jesus lived a perfect life, what he was able to do is take the consequences of your sin and my sin. And when we put our faith in him, he exchanges our sin for his perfection. That's the churchy word that we use for that is salvation or being saved. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gives you his perfection and he takes and puts your sin on the cross. And then three days later after Jesus died, he conquered sin and death forever, proving his victory over it, giving us hope for heaven and a future. Amen. Amen. That's the good news. That is the gospel, and that, my friends, is free. It's free. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Jesus offers it to you because he loves you. And the way that you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the way that you have your sins forgiven, the way that you have hope of heaven is by accepting that gift in faith. 
And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that this morning. I'll explain more a little bit later, but, but that's the gospel. That's the good news, and it's, and it's free, and we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't earn Jesus' love. So why obedience? Like, why are we talking about, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Here's why. Here's what happens. When you and I make that exchange, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we exchange our sinfulness for his perfection, something something happens in us. Gratitude begins to happen in us and love begins to happen in us and appreciation begins to happen in us, right? And and when you and I begin to see how how bad we were, right? Like like I, I know my heart and you know yours better than anybody and I don't deserve God's love. I'm not a good person. I'm bad. I've been sinning since the time I was born and I'm gonna continue. There's it is, it's astounding to me that God would love me, right? And so I see that. I see that he, he has been so selfless to give himself to me and to come and to die on a cross for my sins and your sins. And I get excited and I go, oh man, that's incredible. That's astounding. I'm so thankful. I'm so filled with gratitude. And I go, God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he goes, okay, then keep my commandments, Oh, okay. Like, if Linda said, Joe, I love you, and I go, well, good. If you do, you obey me. (laughs) That's not going to fly, Jack, right? Yeah. So, obedience doesn't seem to coincide with love. Like, it seems stale. It seems dogmatic, right? It doesn't seem like obedience and love. Well, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so why obedience? Why is it that? Right? We've, We've answered question one, how do we love Jesus? He says it four times. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's how you'll love me. And so we, man, we get salvation for free, and we're, we're amazed by this gift, and we go, oh, I want to love you, and he goes, okay, obey, and we go, okay, okay, I will, but why is it that? Why is it obedience? Well, let, let's be reminded, first of all, that Jesus is not needy, right? Like, we, we are needy. When we love each other, we, 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 we fill each other. We provide things for one another. We, right? we make people feel good, right? Jesus doesn't need that from you and me. He doesn't need to feel good. He doesn't need you to prop up his ego, right? Like He's perfectly perfect, so he's not like, well, if you love me, you'll obey me so I can feel good about myself. No. Jesus, Jesus doesn't need our love. He's perfect. And so why, why, does he ask, why does he ask us to obey? Psalm 119 gives us the answer. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 20. He says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. 
Moms, how many times have you ever heard your son or daughter go, Mom, I, I am consumed with longing for your rules at all times. <laughs> right? That happened. So why is the psalmist saying, like, again, like, we don't like rules. Right? We don't like rules. Just leave me alone. Let me do my thing. We don't like rules. But the psalmist does. He loves them. He's consumed with longing for the rules at all times. And so we need to look a little deeper. If you don't know this, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and you'll see it's separated by these Greek words. And what it is, is it's an acrostic poem about how wonderful the law of the Lord is, right? Like, like an acrostic poem uh, is, you know, like you say something that starts with each, each letter. So like if I was going to write an acrostic about Linda, it'd be like, L, love you so much, I, uh, indescribably beautiful, right? That's, a, that's an acrostic poem. And what the, what the psalmist has done here is write an acrostic poem about the rules, because he's loving the rules. And here are just a few things that he says. He says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. I will not be put to shame because I have my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. My soul clings to the dust, so give me life according to your word. My soul melts away from sorrow. Strengthen me according to your precepts. This is my comfort in affliction that your word gives life. I will never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Through your precepts, I get understanding. And the famous verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Look at how he's working this out. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then shows us why. Because keeping his commandments are best for us. They are for our good and for our protection and for our joy. Look at the things that are in just these few verses that are in here. When we obey the commands, we receive blessing and understanding and strength and comfort in sorrow, and guidance when we're lost, life, wisdom. Isn't that just like God to do that, right? He doesn't say, okay, now love me. Keep my commandments. Because I feel like saying that. He's not like this weird taskmaster who just puts us to work for no good reason. He puts us to work for our own good. 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Psalm 119, 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. 
Parents, we teach our kids to look both ways before they cross the street, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we're trying to exercise our authority over them, but because we don't want them to die. We want what is good for them, right? That is what Jesus is showing us here. You love me, keep my commandments because I want what is good for you. He doesn't tell you to love you as to love him with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength so you can stroke his ego. He knows that he is going to make you eternally and infinitely happy forever. That's why. Listen to him. He doesn't say, don't be a glutton. Don't look at things that are inappropriate. Don't gossip. He doesn't say those things to try and cramp your style. He says those things because he knows that they're going to ruin your life. And so often we don't see it that way. We don't understand. We're like children who are like, oh, well, I don't want it. Send me to my room. Then all the time, he is being a good father to us. If you love me, keep my commandments. Why? Because I want the best for you. I want to protect you. I want to give you joy and understanding and hope. Even in Psalm 119, it says, even, even when I am afflicted, your, your commands are life to me. He doesn't say that you're to love your neighbor just so that people will think you're a nice person. He doesn't do it to make you feel uncomfortable or ill-equipped. He does it because your neighbor needs to see Jesus, and they're going to see Jesus through you. So he wants the best for you. Why obey his commandments? Because they are good for us. And he knows this like a good father puts parameters in place for his children. So how do we love Jesus? By obeying his commands. Why does he have obedience be the way in which we love him? Because he knows that that's best for us. And he wants what's best for us. And so, what are his commandments? If those things are true, what ought we to obey? And our passage actually uses two different words. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you love me, you'll keep my word. So in Greek, it's entole and logos. And entole is just like a rule. Keep my rules. Logos is words, and Jesus is actually called the word. And so it's all-encompassing. Everything that I have taught you and everything that I have said. Okay. Right, like if you say that to your child, I want you to obey everything that I have ever taught you and said. Okay, Dad. Okay. And so here, here are some of the things. Here are some of the things. If you do a search in the words of Jesus and you look for his commands, the things that he said to do, here are just a few of them. Abide in me. Ask of me. Be merciful. Be on your guard. Be wise. Bear fruit. Believe in me. Beware of false teaching. Bless those who curse you. Come to me. 
Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Do this in remembrance of me. Do not be afraid. Enter by the narrow gate. Fear not, forgive, give. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Honor your father and mother. Judge not, love your enemies. Pay what you owe, pay attention. Rejoice and be glad. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sin no more. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your spirit. Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. And so if that's the, just the list in your house, your kids are probably going, what? How am I, I going to remember all that stuff? And how am I possibly going to do that? Right? We talked at the beginning of this that we're bad people. We're sin for people. We, we mess up. How in the world are we going to do that? How are we going to remember all this stuff? How are we going to obey? Like, I take my kids to school in the morning. They take one thing. Like, Linda packs everything they need in one piece of equipment, the book bag. All their homework, lunch. Before she leaves, it's all in there. It's the only thing I have to remember. I didn't remember the book bags this week. <laughs> we get to school, and I'm just like, okay, everybody out of the car. Where are your book bags? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I left, they're sitting right on the counter. I can't remember to bring the book bags. How am I supposed to remember all of this? <laughs> you know? So we love Jesus by obeying his commandments. We obey his commandments because they are good for us. Like a good dad, he has set out things in our lives because he wants the best for us. What are his commandments? They are many. And we can look to his word. He is the word, right? We can, we can look there and we can find, we can, we can open our Bibles we can find what God says to us and what to do and how to live. And sometimes it can get really, really overwhelming. But First John says, this is love that you keep my commandments and what? His commandments are not burdensome. Oh man, how do we do it? Again, he comes to us. The answer to question number four, how do we obey his commandments, is found in verse 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Farther down in verse 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. As I was studying this over the last week, I got to this point and I just kind of sat back in my chair because it's, it's amazing how at every point God is loving us, right? 
He sends us Jesus to die for our sins. And if he did nothing else, that's plenty. And yet he moves forward and he says, okay, if you've received that gift and you have love for me, then you'll keep my commandments. But it just so happens to be that my commandments are for your good. My commandments are to give you the abundant life. And then we go, oh, but I can't really do that. And he goes, I'm going to help there too. (laughs) At every turn, there he is extending his love for us, even in our loving him, it just keeps coming. His love just keeps coming. It's astounding. At every turn, Jesus is for you. He is keeping you. He is saving you, and he is loving you. Pastor Chad didn't just ask me to preach He asked me to share a little story of my life and why this text is important to me. And here goes. Early on in my life, I thought that loving Jesus or Christianity, whatever you want to call it, was this. It was hard work. It was do more, try harder. Um, it was, you're really, really bad and you got to work really hard to get God to love you. And I'm not sure where that came from. I don't think my parents taught me that. Uh, my church growing up maybe did a little bit. Um, I remember being afraid that, uh, that if, I, that, that if I sinned and I didn't, hadn't confessed that sin that I was, and, I, and I died, that I was going to go to hell. So I was always afraid all the time. It was very legal, legalistic and it was very burdensome. But then some things happened in my church as a young man and my church kind of broke apart and fell apart. And I looked at this stuff and I said, I'm working hard for this. I'm done. And I had been told that if you give your life to Jesus, that everything's going to be okay, that you've punched your ticket to heaven. And so I kind of, I wandered from this side to this side, and I sat myself down in my easy chair. I said, hey, I've said a prayer. I'm good to go. I can just live however I want, do whatever I want. He's going to forgive me. Isn't that what this whole thing is about? It's about forgiveness. And I spent years of my life being a fool, being a fool and taking advantage of grace, trampling on the sacrifice of Jesus, thinking that I really knew him and that I really loved him But we know, if you do not keep my commandments, you don't love me. And my life hit a point several years ago, well, I realized that I was wrong, that 
the easy chair isn't it. It's not just to sit back and do whatever you want. It's not to let go and let God. But neither is it that, right? God, God is not a taskmaster who's going, work harder and maybe I'll love you. God's not a taskmaster, but God's also not our butler, right? We can't just sit down and go, oh, give me some forgiveness today and I'm going to act however I want. The picture that we see instead of those two things is right here in the, in the middle and it's found in his word. Romans 8 says this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Over and over we get this picture of Father, and so it's not taskmaster, it's not butler, it's Father. And so he's given us a free gift. We don't have to work for it. But the response is not, well, just sit down and let the Lord forgive you over and over and over again for continuing to live in sin. That's not it. If you've been given the free gift, the love and appreciation in our hearts works itself out in obedience. And then we look at the Bible and we go, I can't possibly obey all this. I can't possibly do this. And so I want to take you back to the father illustration. We will walk in the spirit, right? We will walk. And this is how walking happens. One step after another, right? But I will send you a helper. I'll send you a helper. And so dads, moms, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, have you ever done this one? Right? That little baby who's just trying to walk, can't do it on their own. Come on. Come on. Right? Right? One step at a time. Leaning on the Holy Spirit, our helper. And we can obey. We can obey. So maybe, maybe you're living here today. Maybe you're here and you grew up in a tradition or a religion or a home where it was just work hard. You've got to do more. You've got to earn God's love. Or maybe you've done so much that you, you just put that on yourself. You feel it. Oh man, I've done so much. I need, to, I need to kind of get myself back up to a certain level so that God will love me. Let me tell you, folks, at your lowest, at your most ugly, at your dirtiest, Jesus comes to you. And you know what he asks you to obey? He asks you to obey these words. Come to me. Just come to me. 
All you who are tired, all you who have heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest and I will give you life. If you've never given your life to Jesus this morning and that you feel that pressure, I want you to know this morning that the weight is off. The weight is off and I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus, to come freely and to accept his work on the cross and the forgiveness of your sins and hope forever. Maybe you're here in the room and you're like me and you know, you know, man, when I was sitting here and I'm talking about that life, that that's you. Maybe you come to church, you grew up in church, your mom and dad went to church. You grew up in a tradition like Sundays is what we do. But your life, your language, your actions, your thoughts, the way you treat your wife or the way you treat your husband or the way you treat your coworkers, there's no relationship. There's no love relationship. You're, you're not obeying what the word says. And you're just thinking, well, I, I said a prayer one day. And so I'm, I'm good. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to go to heaven. Let me tell you, friend, I've been there. You don't have any reason to believe that your salvation is secure if you're not obeying Jesus. You don't have any reason to believe that your salvation is secure if you're not having a heart to obey. If you're just treating God as your butler. And I'm I'm not trying to come down hard on you. I'm pleading with you, would you come to Jesus for real? Not just... Well, let me say a prayer so I can make sure I don't go to hell. Nah, that's not what it is. He's calling you into relationship, into love relationship that has the best for you. Would you give your life to Jesus today? Believer, you can know that your salvation is secure by your struggle to obey. Let me repeat that. You can know that your salvation is secure. I get asked that question all the time. How do I know that I'm really saved? Are you fighting in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking every day, trying to obey? That's how you know. That's evidence of the Spirit in your life, convicting you of sin and helping you along the way. But I want to call some of you out, and this is, as this has called me out, even as I, I may be trying to obey in many different areas, there are some areas of my life where I have just gotten comfortable, and I just kind of let the sin be there. And I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And don't let it overwhelm you. His commandments are not burdensome. Don't think about it for the next 20 years. How am I going to do this? Don't look at that list of things and think about how am I going to do it for the next 10 years. Don't worry about all that is ahead of you this week. Worry about this moment. If you were to say to that little baby, I'd like you to run in the Akron Marathon. (laughs) 
No. But like a good dad, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments because they're good for you. And I'm going to provide you a helper to do that. And how does that little baby, how does that little baby move? Just one step at a time. And so when you're on the road for business and you're tempted in a million different ways, it could be with lust, it could be with alcohol, it could be with gossip and the things that the guys are saying, the Holy Spirit is there and he's reminding you of the things that you've learned and you, you can obey. Come on. Mom, when you come home and your kids have thrown spaghetti against the walls and the house is a mess and you've had a long day and you just want to lose a grip, the helper is there. Lean on him. Lean on him. And he will bring to remembrance everything that you have learned. He will not leave you. And the things that come out of your mouth and the look on your face and the attitude that you have can be bent to obey. Oh, I made it. Teenager, when you're in the locker room, when you're in the halls, and you hear things that you ought not to be a part of or you end up in a conversation that you ought not to be a part of, or when you're tempted to do things in your relationships that you ought not to, the Holy Spirit is there. And he is reminding you, bringing to remembrance everything that you have learned and you can obey. And that is how we do it. That is how we do it. Like a good father, he comes to us and it's just one step at a time. Obey in this moment. And then obey in this moment. And then obey in this moment. And there we are trying, right? And sometimes we got to do one of these, whoa, <laughs> right? Sometimes he has to pick us up, right, and move us. The illustration breaks down a little bit in that, like, as parents, we desire for our kids to walk on their own. And for us, that's never happening. So just keep leaning. Just keep holding on. Every moment, every decision, listen. Listen to the Spirit. He will bring to remembrance all that I have taught you. Church, we can obey. We can. We can grow in Christ-likeness. He tells us that we can. And those things aren't burdensome. They are meant for our joy and for our good. Because he's not a taskmaster and he's not a butler. He's a good father. He's the best father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see you as you really are, that we would be filled with love and affection and appreciation for the gift of your son. And that it would move us to love, that it would move us to obedience. 
and that we'd see your laws and that we would say with the psalmist, I desire, I am filled with desire for your rules all day long because we'd see that they are for our good and for our joy. And that when it seems like it's too much or that it's too hard, that we'd remember that your commands are not burdensome, that you have sent us a helper and that we would lean on him. And every moment of every day, we would be worried about obedience in that moment. And as we do, as we take steps, as we lean on the Holy Spirit, as we obey the commandments, we love you more. Help us. Amen.